0: Take your Bible, take your Bible, if you don't have one, there's one in the seat ahead of you, and we'll start, we'll start in Acts 20, we'll get there in just a minute. So I had started, the, the Wednesday night before I left, I would started a series on apostasy in the end times, and then I forgot about it, and then I got something else for tonight, It kind of goes along with it. So we'll do this tonight and then we'll get back to looking at Christian apostasy in the last days. But we'll start in Acts 20. And tonight's subject, obviously you can see it there on your handout, is understanding dispensations. I'm so glad to see everyone that's out tonight. Uh, I only printed out 16 because I thought that's all that I would need. I was going to print 20. That was the first number that came to my mind. Next time I'm going to print 20. So glad I didn't have enough, I guess. Um, now, we're going to study this very, very important topic, understanding dispensations. Um, and you say, well, why is that important? The word is kind of a strange word, I, I don't use this in my everyday language, and so on. Well, have you ever wondered this, why are there so many denominations and so many beliefs among so-called Christian people in the world? You ever asked yourself that question? Um, If there's only one Bible, then how do we have so many different beliefs? Well, first of all, there's not one Bible, there's actually two. There's the Lord's Bible, the authorized King James Version, and there is the corrupt, counterfeit version that comes from the Romish Church, the Popish Church, But aside from that, that's not our subject tonight. The plethora of so-called Christian denominations is the result of major disagreements among believers, especially on the doctrines of salvation and eternal security. What's the problem? Why so many disagreements? I'll tell you why. A failure to recognize the dispensations in the Bible. In other words, a failure to rightly divide the word of truth, okay? The problem is twofold and I'm going to add a third one. I was thinking about it on the way in. If you have a handout, I want to add a third one. The problem is threefold. Number 1, Satan has a dog in the fight. Number 2, men were not rightly dividing the word of truth. 2nd Timothy 2:15 and number 3, Christian apostasy. I'll explain, but that needs to be added. Apostasy. A-P-O-S-T-A-C-Y. Apostasis. Falling away from truth. A compromise. Maybe I'll just hit that real quick just because I just said it. For example, in the Southern Baptist Convention and the American Baptist Convention from which this church separated from, It it went through a time in the middle 1900s uh, of apostasy. It, It departed from the truth. In other words, they stopped believing in the infallibility of the scriptures. They stopped believing in the miracles of the Bible, that they were literal. They stopped believing that God had preserved his word for us and moved away from the authorized Bible. So as a result of apostasy, then independent Baptists came out of the Southern Baptist Convention and the American Baptist Convention and became independent. So we had the Independent Baptist Movement of the 1970s. That's one reason, and that's just among the Baptists. I'm not going to deal with other denominations because I don't know anything about them really. But I do know about my own. Okay, So that apostasy, whenever there is a compromise among a group. And it's, you can't recover from it. You, you cannot uh, reform it. You have to separate from it. The Bible commands you to do that. So in some cases, it's because of a necessary separation due to apostasy. The old illustration for apostasy is this. Remember the, the, the farmer and his mule? Remember that? There was a farmer. Now this is just make-believe, okay? There was a farmer... Who had a mule, and with the rising costs of grain, it was getting harder and harder for him to feed his mule. So he started to add in a little bit of sawdust into the feed. And at first, it wasn't a problem. As the costs went up on feed, so did the amount of sawdust that he put into his feed. And then one day he goes out to his barn to get the mule and and to go to work, and the mule's lying there dead. That's a perfect picture of apostasy. It's gradual. Before you know it, you've moved from being biblical and centered on Christ and on the truth of Scripture and taking a stand, you know, for the right things. Before you know it, gradually, a church can become more and more worldly. And the same thing can happen to denominations. For example, first thing that will happen, usually, is a church will change its music. It'll go from reverent, uh, God-honoring, doctrine-filled hymns to replacing it with a bunch of youngsters playing rock music and putting the words up on a screen and getting rid of the hymn books. And they're, they're playing the, they, they started that with those 7 songs. Now, admittedly, they've gotten better since then. Seven words, 11 times, you know. And after the music has changed, usually the next thing that happens, as they're compromising their standards now, they're becoming less uh, reverent in worship and less formal and less conservative, they, they will change their Bible translation. It's always what happens. After the music has changed, the Bible translation will change. They'll get rid of God's standard, the old book, the old black book, and they'll replace it with corrupt perversions, of the Bible. And when that happens, that happens as a result of pastors who have been trained in seminaries where they no longer believe in the infallibility and the inspiration of the Bible as it is in here. They no longer believe in the preservation of the Bible. They, they teach them that the miracles aren't uh, true. They teach them that Adam and Eve in the Old Testament weren't real people, it was an allegory, and so on. You know, Jesus uh, said that Jonah was swallowed by a whale, You know, and that wasn't true. Whales can't swallow men, and so on and so forth. So they just pick apart the Bible a little at a time. And when those preachers get into the churches, they allow the churches to compromise and move and become more and more worldly. Before you know it, when they change this Bible version, guess what else happens? They water down the doctrines. They stop preaching against sin. They stop uh, soul winning. They don't even talk about that. And then the church becomes more worldly in order to please the worldlings that are coming in. And they want to make sinners feel comfortable. So rather than the church going out to reach the world, the church tries to become more like the world in order to reach the world. It's a compromise. Before you know it, they're no longer winning souls. They're no longer missions-minded. They're not sending people out from their own ranks to go be missionaries around the world. And uh, people in the church, uh, they might be interested in social programs, feeding the hungry and so on, and celebrate recovery. They might be interested in those things, but they're not interested in what the church was founded to do. And they're not interested in standing for the truth and exposing lies and so on and so forth. And they're certainly not interested in a preacher preaching. So the sermons get shorter, shorter and shorter. They stop having Sunday nights, eventually they stop having Wednesday night prayer meetings. And they move toward a different program. You say what's that? Christian apostasy. And when that happens, people break off of those corrupt denominations. Now, I just I hate to talk about this. It feels like every time I get together, I talk about it, but it's just it's in your face. It's everywhere. There's there are Presbyterian churches, in the PCA, Presbyterian Church of America, it's an evangelical denomination, but it's it's gone way downhill, uh, you know. And they're having like these transgender or these uh, these sicko perverts. Uh, what do they what do they call them? Men dressed up as women. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so and that's why that split. There you go. So that's why there's another denomination there. And and God bless them. They're doing the right thing to do that. Now if they'd get right about the female pastor part, because that's another example of apostasy. Drag queen. Drag queen. That's what it is. In a church, it's not a church anymore. Yep, yeah, sodomites. Yeah, and I I get I tell you I just I get tired of talking about it. I do, but it's just. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just read an article story uh, a few days ago where the the World Economic Forum mm-hmm. they're using this artificial intelligence, you AI. Mm-hmm. They're rewriting the Bible for the one world uh, Christian or one world religion. Mm-hmm. They're doing that right now. They are. They they have the Queen James Bible. I don't know if you know about that. It's sick. But uh, you're right. And it's, it is. It's, it's all moving toward that one world setup. But listen, you know, <laughs> whose fault is it? Right? I mean, yeah, the problem is in the pulpit, but listen, God's people should have never allowed it to happen. Some young man comes back from seminary and starts giving them that, that, that junk. What should happen? Well, the people should just fire him and get a real preacher, you know, but I think in a lot of the denominations they 've already apostatized, and god 's no longer calling preachers in their denominations, so they just take what they can get i guess so that 's part of the the, the, the uh, reason for the problem, the threefold reason I have is uh, Christian apostasy now. Secondly, Satan has a dog in the fight. So look at Acts chapter 20. Why are there so many denominations? So many different beliefs. Um, yeah. Yeah, and that they can correct God's word. Yeah. You're right. And it brings more people in. Sure. Which makes you look successful. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I, you know, I want to have, I want to have every one of these chairs filled up. I do. But if, if all God gives us, like, I think my job is to fill the pulpit and it's God's job to use us to fill the pews, but it's not my job to fill the pews necessarily. I got to fill the pulpit. And if what I'm doing from the pulpit, uh, is not received well by the people in the pew. And if I'm doing the right thing and just preaching the word, well, my job is just to keep filling the pulpit. Right? And, and to shepherd the people. hmm Be thankful for the ones do show. And I'm thankful for the ones that are here. And I don't think, I don't want to go, anyways, I get off into something else. I don't want to go down in the mouth either, you know. I'm excited to be here tonight. So, Acts chapter 20 and verse 26. So, wherefore I take you to remembrance, or to record this day, this is Paul speaking, that I am pure from the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. So Paul taught him everything. So he says, take heed. In other words, beware. Look out. Pay attention. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves. He's talking to the elders of Ephesus, the pastors. And to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased With his own blood. For I know this. That after my departing shall grievous wolves. You see Satan's got a dog in the fight. Grievous wolves. Will enter in among you. Not sparing the flock. You say who are those grievous wolves? Judaizers. And as church history goes on. Other false teachers. So just simply put false teachers. So also of your own selves. Shall men arise. Now look at that. From their own ranks, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Alright? Uh, what's a disciple? Somebody's being taught by a teacher. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn uh, everyone night and day with tears. Okay? Paul is warning them and it's serious. He's pleading with tears Watch, take heed. There will be false teachers that will come in, and they will draw away disciples. So you see where denominations can come from? Church splits, other things starting up. Moving away from biblical Pauline doctrine. I won't go there, but Galatians 1 is another one. Paul said that there were people preaching another gospel. Remember I said it's mostly over salvation and eternal security? People preaching another gospel, Paul said, already in the first century. And he said, listen, he said, they're anathema. A maranatha. They're they're anathema that's cursed, maranatha at Christ's coming. That if you try to preach another gospel, a, a, a gospel that you're saved by baptism, a gospel that you're saved by faith plus works in the church age, that's another gospel. That's anathema, man. You'd be cursed by God for doing that. He said, even if an angel comes. Well, an angel came to old Muhammad. Right? Came and gave him a vision. Angel came to uh, Joseph Smith. Gave him another gospel, another thing. Alright? So, Satan has a dog in a fight. And then men were not rightly dividing the word of truth. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. This is where a lot of the trouble comes from, among just, I mean, evangelical churches or gospel-minded, mission-minded churches, but uh, just not heeding the Bible's instructions on how to study and show yourself approved. So 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, I sure know how to draw out an introduction. I tell you what, never going to get through this. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now the newer Bibles remove the only command in the Bible to study. It's right here, they change it. It's not good enough to say be diligent. It's study. Now you understand what that word means, don't you? If I told Jace in Sunday school, study, he knows what that word means. That's not hard to understand. If I say, Jace, be diligent, he'd say, be what? You got a dictionary? I don't understand what that is. But he understands study. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. And how are we supposed to study? Rightly divide. So that's that's part of the problem. Uh, Now, A lot of people will just simply take a preacher or a priest's word for it when it comes to salvation or eternal security. Don't do that. Bad idea. Because they can be wrong. And if there's anything you want to be right about, it's on the matter of salvation and eternal security. Uh, And so those people who follow a preacher or a priest and don't check it out for themselves from the Bible, those people are lost in their sins. And they couldn't tell you how to get to heaven from Racine if you offered them a winning lottery ticket for $30 million. If you gave them all night long in a flashlight, they couldn't figure it out, as one preacher was wont to say. If you gave them a, a magnifying glass, they couldn't tell you how to be saved because they're not saved themselves. Because they've been following a preacher or some religious leader who's not rightly dividing the word of truth. Somebody says, you've got to speak in tongues in order to be saved. Now, come on. That's another gospel. Now, we need to understand dispensations. Okay, So you're probably asking yourself, what's the meaning of dispensations? A dispensation, as we'll use it in this study, simply refers to the way that God deals with men in different ages. There's a typo there. How God deals with men in different ages. So memorize this phrase. God deals with men differently in different ages. That's a good working definition for dispensations. God's dispensing information to men all throughout the course of history, and it, and it comes in different covenants and it comes in different ages. Okay, so you say, "What's what's a dispensation?" Okay, that's why I got it up here. So, these are just basic ones, okay? You have before the law. That's Adam and Eve in the garden, created there. Created perfect, created without sin, before they sinned and were lost in their sin. You have before the law. That, that, that carries from 4004 B.C. and goes right on up to 1491 B.C., And then at that time, God gave the law to Moses, and he started a nation there, the nation of Israel, and uh, he gave them all kinds of laws to live by, and things that they had to follow, and so that period there starts something where now it's during the law. So before the law, you didn't have Exodus, you know, and Leviticus, and Deuteronomy, So before the law, what did they do? During the law, what did they do? Well, there was a change. There was a change in what God did and what He instructed men to do. God deals with men differently in different ages. So can you... I mean, everyone can agree that there is at least this one division, this rightly dividing the word, one division. There's the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament, right? So everyone in here is a dispensationalist at least to that extent. You recognize there's a difference between the two parts of your Bible. Well, God dealt with Moses and he dealt with the children of Israel differently under the law, during that law, than he did after Christ showed up. The zero marks the birth of Christ uh, in the year of our Lord. Um, And then you have the cross. So when the Christ shows up, He's crucified, and when he's crucified, that's the end of the law. And that's the end of the law for righteousness, Paul says. You'd have to read the book of Romans. And then the church is started. God turns away from the nation of Israel. They reject him. He turns away from them temporarily. He'll come back at the tribulation and deal with Israel. But during this church age, we are not under the law, Paul teaches us. We're not to live like a Jew, You don't have to be circumcised. You don't have to keep the commandments to be saved. Read Acts chapter 15. Study to show yourself approved. I'm sorry I'm pointing at you. That's that's bad manners. Study to show yourself approved. This is after the law. We're not under the law. okay? Church age. God deals with men differently in the church age. He dispenses new information. Does it primarily through Paul. Then you have where we are, 2023, with our little church building. And right here, the Lord's about ready to come back. And He's going to come back. We're going to be raptured up to meet the Lord in the air. Then we'll begin this little black section here. That's the Great Tribulation period. And during the Tribulation period, God deals with men differently during the Tribulation period than He does during the Church Age. Okay? And then after the Tribulation, you have the beginning of the Millennial kingdom. That's the kingdom age. So these are dispensations. The dispensation of, of innocence and human government. Those are in here before the law. The dispensation of the law right there with Moses and the nation of Israel. Now the dispensation of the church age. Then you have the tribulation period. And then the kingdom age. All right, Where the king of kings returns. We're going to read a passage there. Um, and I don't know that we'll make it to it tonight. But um, let me just show you this. Let's Let's just skip all the way to the end. Would you like to do that? Does anybody here like to read the end of the book? Okay. It's not the end of the Bible, but it's the end of my study. Look at Isaiah 66. Now, you want to study the Bible and rightly divide it. That means you want to put things where they belong. Now, I want you to read Isaiah 66, and I want you to ask yourself, should I do what it's telling me to do here? at Isaiah 66. Now I had like a nice logical lesson to go through tonight, but we didn't make it. But I want you to look at Isaiah 66 and I'll just teach you these principles with this one passage. Those are five different ages and I want you to know that God dealt dealt with men differently in those different ages that are past and he will deal with men differently in the ages that are to come. Or dispensations. Uh, you could use that word interchangeably. There's a dispensation of the tribulation period and dispensation of the kingdom age to come. And God will deal with men differently in those two different dispensations. So, Isaiah 66, and look at verse 23. So, the book of Isaiah, if you don't know it, it's it's... It's laid out dispensationally, just like the, the whole Bible is. So, Isaiah 1, there's 66 chapters, right? How many books are there in the Bible? Isaiah 1 lines up with Genesis. Isaiah 66 lines up with Revelation, uh, if you didn't know that. Isaiah 66, and, it's, and you'll find parallels throughout the whole book of Isaiah that, that go right along with the Bible. The Bible itself is laid out in a dispensational order. In the beginning, you have Adam and Eve. At the end of the Bible, book of Revelation, what do you have? You have the tribulation and the kingdom. So, uh, Isaiah 66, and then notice there in verse number 23. Let's start reading there. And it shall come to pass, All right, has it happened yet? No. He's saying this is a future thing. It shall come to pass that from one new moon to another. Now stop there. This is a lunar calendar that he's talking about. We don't follow a lunar calendar. Who does? Nation of Israel. If you study the Bible, they follow a lunar calendar. We follow a solar calendar, right? Okay? From one new moon to another and from one Sabbath, alright, and no, I'll stop there. Do we meet on the Sabbath? No. I heard there's some Seventh-day Baptists. I don't know how they get that fouled up in the Bible that they're meeting on the Sabbath, but there are some Seventh-day Baptists. You know why they get that messed up? They're not rightly dividing the word of truth. Anyways, on the Sabbath, from one Sabbath to another shall all flesh... All right, who's that include? Everybody, right? Everybody. All means all. A-double-L. All flesh shall come to worship before me, saith the Lord. Alright, now listen. This Friday night, uh, right after dinner time, I want you guys, I want somebody to go down to Pomeroy and, and start down the sidewalk down Pomeroy with the sandwich sign on, okay? And tell them all, put, put Antiquity Baptist Church on one side, Put our meeting time. We're going to meet this Friday night, 6 p.m. for the Sabbath. Okay, it goes from Friday night, 6 p.m. to Saturday at 6 p.m. Tell them tonight, this Friday at 6 p.m., we're all going to meet up here. If there's not enough room in the building. We'll just surround the building. Okay? And tell them all that we're going to meet here to worship the Lord. And let's just see if they all come. Do you think they will? On the back, you know, tell them just follow me to Antiquity Baptist Church. <laughs> and just, because that's what it says, all flesh. All flesh will come to worship. Now does God mince words? Or does He mean what He says? He says, Shall all flesh come to worship before Me, saith the Lord, Jehovah. And they shall go forth. Who? The worshipers. As they're leaving to come to the worship, or as they're leaving to go back home from the worship, they shall go forth... And look upon the carcasses of the men that have transgressed against me. For their worm shall not die. Now, guys, the Bible says what it means. It means what it says. And Jesus says, during the millennial kingdom age, there will be a lake of fire. He said it in his own preaching. Isaiah is saying it there. There will be a lake of fire on earth. And the offenders, those that reject the Lord, reject his worship and reject his law, says he's going to rule with a rod of iron, they will be burning in a lake of fire on the earth. And people who are coming and going from worship worship will be reminded about how important it is to follow the word of the king. Now guys, that's what it says. They will look at those who have transgressed against me, for their worms shall not die. That is, when they are put into that fire, their bodies will be destroyed, their souls will be there in some kind of a soulish form, but they will turn into some kind of a worm that will not die and perish. Now either you're going to believe what you're looking at or you're not. You see, that's how the apostasy starts. People don't believe the book. Neither shall their fire be quenched, and they shall be an abhorring unto who? All flesh. Now guys, flesh. He's talking about earth dwellers. Flesh. If you read the book of Isaiah, you'd see it in the context. Earth dwellers going to worship. And uh, they're going to worship in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And so there's going to be that lake of fire. Alright, so now, as you look at that, if you, if you look at the back of your page, we'll wrap this up, if you look at the back of your page, I want you to notice there's three bullet points at the top, historical, spiritual, and doctrinal. Alright. Bet you didn't know that was in the Bible, did you? There's a lot of things in the Bible that... We don't know that they're there, and the Lord just teaches us, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. You can't understand the Lord, not really. God is a consuming fire, the Bible says. He's a God of amazing love and grace and mercy, and he's also a God of judgment. And he says, I will by no means you know, pardon the guilty uh, every soul is mine," he says, "and the soul that sinneth, it shall die. That's an eternal death. And so God is perfect in His love and in His mercy and His ability to forgive and receive to Himself all who will come to Him by faith in Jesus Christ. And God is also perfect in His wrath. You can't understand that. He's sinless in His wrath and His execution execution of judgment. You and I can't get that. One day we will have a renewed mind. One day Jesus said, you'll know even as you are known. And so we'll have the mind of Christ, and we will see things differently. And guys, what I'm just saying, God is holy, and we're not. You can't understand this stuff, and neither can I. I can't understand a God who would put somebody into hell for eternity. Now they go from hell to the lake of fire, which is different from that one that I was looking at. The eternal lake of fire after creation. So you go from the fire to the firing pan. I, I can't understand that. The older you get, it's harder to take, isn't it? I mean, let's just be real. It's harder to take, the older that you get, that the God of the Bible is fierce in His wrath. But we believe it, and we take God at His word, and we'll understand it better by and by. And there'll be a day when we can say with Jesus all around the throne, the great white throne, when we'll be able to say, Alleluia. He's, God is right in all that He does, and right now we, we can't understand that. But I guess if we believed it a little bit more, we'd get busy about trying to reach people. But here's the historical setting. In the book of Isaiah, how does that fit historically? So when I say historical, I mean past, present, and future. As you read the Bible, where does it fit? This obviously fits in the future. I mean, that's real clear. It's easiest to fix the historical setting. That's one of the easier ones. The spiritual one is pretty easy. So the spiritual is our walk with God, or our everyday life, our practical application. From the book of Isaiah, chapter 66, verse 23 and 24, what is a practical application? God is serious when he talks about judgment and making an example out of people. So get busy trying to win your family and your friends to Christ. Okay, that's uh, spiritual application. Doctrinal application Now, doctrine is teachings. Teachings such as the doctrine of salvation, judgments, the kingdom, the end times, the nation of Israel, the giving of the law. So God gives men instructions in every age or every dispensation. What is the doctrine? Okay? This is the toughie. That's the hard one. Doctrinally, does Isaiah 66 apply to us, the church, in the church age? So doctrinally, when we're trying to We'll look at these three questions, and then we'll be, we'll be dismissed. Doctrinally, does that go right here? Are people worshiping on the Sabbath here? I mean, all flesh? No. It's got to go here. And it certainly wasn't here. All flesh wasn't worshiping, and there wasn't a lake of fire on the earth that, that all flesh could walk by and see. So we can get the history of it. We can get the practical Spiritual meaning, but the doctrinal meaning, well, that means it applies to somebody else doctrinally. It points to somebody else, not to the church age, not to me, not to you. It points to somebody else. Let me just say this and close. Somebody has said it this way. All of the Bible is written for you, but not all of the Bible is written to you and that's catchy, but it falls short. It misses the mark. All of the Bible is written for you. This is God's love letter to you. You can read it and treasure every page, and you should read all of the Bible. It's all for you. You can get a spiritual blessing out of every page of this blessed book. You can get a spiritual blessing, something to help you and feed you, even out of Leviticus. I know it seems impossible sometimes, but even out of Leviticus. But not all of it's to you. Not all of it's addressed to you. Sometimes you're reading something and you're reading somebody else's mail. Not all of it's to you. Now some people balk at that and say, "Huh, uh I won't accept that. Listen, not all of it's to you doctrinally. It can all be to you In the historical understanding, in the spiritual understanding, but not all of it's to you doctrinally. Yeah. Right. It's different. Yeah, you're in the Old Testament. There's something different happening. The church hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Yeah. If, right. And if you say to me, Pastor, I just can't swallow that, can't accept that. Alright then, we're going to change our service times and we're going to start meeting at Friday night at 6pm and Saturday morning for the Sabbath. We've been doing it wrong the whole time. Of course, that's not true. Because doctrinally that doesn't apply to us. Yes. Yes. Right. Right. And so now you have, that, you have that word of caution that I put in there. You have that, I want you to chew on that. Think about that. You're in the church age and it's different. We'll look at maybe another example. I know we will eventually. But any, any questions about that, I'm finally going to close. Any questions about that or anything? Um, it's right. If you'll do that, if you'll rightly divide the word of truth, if you're reading something and you're saying, that seems to contradict what it says over here, you found something you need to rightly divide. And you follow what Paul says. Paul said, be ye followers of me. That means we follow Paul in doctrine and in his manner of life, his ministry. We should have a Pauline ministry in this church. Um, I, can't, I can't go on. But if you find something that contradicts in your Bible, come to me and I'll help you. Put it where it goes. If you rightly divide the word of God, you will show yourself a workman that is approved. And you don't need to be ashamed before the Lord. You can be approved. Alright, let's, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, we thank you for this blessed old book. And God, uh, help us to take it by faith and not be moved away from that. There's a strong uh, spirit of this age to be moved away from doctrine. And people won't receive sound doctrine in these last days, Lord. You predicted that in the Word of God. And they they won't receive this kind of teaching very well. They'll heap to themselves teachers. And they have itching ears, Lord, and they just want to be scratched where they itch. Just want a lot of practical, syrupy, soupy, sentimental nonsense. And uh, Father, we need all of it. We need the historical, we need the doctrinal, and we need the spiritual. So Lord, I thank you for giving us all of that in the word of God. Help us to study and show ourselves approved. In Jesus' name, amen.